The Lord Almighty grant us a quiet night and peace at the last. Amen. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to Your name, O Most High, to herald Your love in the morning and Your truth at the close of the day. I'm going to pray a prayer, prayer, pray a prayer of confession, and I invite you to join with me in your hearts. Holy and gracious God, I confess that I have sinned against you this day. Some of my sin I know, the thoughts and words and deeds of which I am ashamed. But some is known only to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask forgiveness. Deliver and restore me, that I may rest in peace. Amen. By the mercy of God, we are redeemed by Jesus Christ, and in Him we are forgiven. We rest now in His peace and rise in the morning to serve Him. Amen. The psalm reading tonight is Psalm 38, and I'm going to read the whole thing. David says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down upon me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I'm utterly bowed down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O Lord, all my longing is before You. My sighing is not hidden from You. My heart throbs. My strength fails me. And the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague. And my nearest kin stand afar off. Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. But I am like a deaf man. I do not hear. Like a mute man who does not open his mouth. I have become like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth are no rebukes. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord my God, who will answer. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me who boast against me when my foot slips. For I'm ready to fall and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. But my foes are vigorous, they are mighty. And many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. The Gospel reading will be from Mark chapter 14. Jesus is on trial here in front of Pilate and the high priest and the Sanhedrin. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and elders and scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. And now the chief priest and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none, for many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I'll destroy this temple that's made with hands, and in three days I'll build another not made with hands. Yet even about this their testimony did not agree. 
And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Psalm 38 is uh, traditionally the third of the six penitential psalms. In the past couple weeks, we've been looking at those. We looked at Psalm 6 two weeks ago, and we read Psalm 32 last week and talked about it. And the thing that we're seeing about the penitential psalms is David is grappling. uh, The first three uh, that we've looked at have been by David. David's grappling with his sin, with his whole person. Sin is an existential problem for David. It's something that consumes him. It's something that eats him up. There's physical symptoms of it. And Psalm 38 is no difference. David has, uh, many people have noticed that David exhibits uh, uh, symptoms of depression, maybe even clinical depression, uh, because of what he goes through. And so tonight what I'd like to do is look at several reasons in here why David is struggling with despair and hopelessness. And the first reason is his sin. Look at verse 3. David says, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation, God. There's no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head, and like a heavy burden, they're too heavy for me. Later on in the psalm, as he's starting to grapple with who God is as the God of salvation, he says in verse 18, I confess my iniquity. I'm sorry for my sin. One of the things we've noticed with the penitential psalms is that sin is worth grieving over. Those of us who come uh, from the Reformation tradition, and I guess especially those of us who are Lutherans, we frequently like to think of sin as a legal, primarily a legal issue. We are guilty before God, uh, but by believing in Jesus, uh, God will declare us not guilty. Uh, But sin is much bigger than that, and if we minimize sin to be just primarily a legal issue, uh, 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 a barrier between us and God legally, we minimize the horror of sin, and by doing that, we minimize the power of the gospel and the glory of the cross. Sin is much bigger. Well, of course, we, we need forgiveness, uh, but we also need healing. And we also need training uh, to do what's right to obey God's law. We also need strength. To, uh, we need strength from the Holy Spirit to help us obey God's law. Maybe even most importantly, we need someone to come and fix all the damage that our sin has done, both to ourselves and the collateral damage. And when we realize how horror, horrible a thing sin is, we realize, along with David, that it's appropriate to grieve about it. It's appropriate to feel horrible, to feel the weight of that horror. So the first thing that David is grappling with is his sin. But he's also grappling with physical pain. Look at verse 3. There's no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There's no health in my bones. My iniquity's gone over my head like a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I'm utterly bowed down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning. And there's no soundness in my flesh. I'm feeble and crushed and I groan because of the tumult of my heart. These are physical symptoms. David is hurting in his body. Just like we saw in Psalm 6 and Psalm 32. When you read the commentators about Psalm 38, they're somewhat divided over what David is talking about here. Is he actually speaking, is he actually speaking about real physical symptoms that he's feeling? Or are these physical symptoms more a metaphor for the spiritual pain that he's feeling? I don't think that there's actually 
Anybody who's experienced despair and even depression knows that the line between those two is pretty thin. Moral brokenness and physical brokenness frequently go hand in hand. And David is grappling with both of these things here. And to ask which one came first or which one caused which might be helpful in a certain sort of clinical sense. But the big picture, they're both signs of brokenness. Both moral brokenness and physical brokenness are a part of living in a world where we've rebelled against God. And they both cause despair. Another ingredient in this horrible, powerful cocktail of depression is relational brokenness. And we see this several times through here where David talks about how his enemies are against him. The people who hate him are trying to hurt him. Verse 12 says, Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. Down in verse 19 he says this, But my foes are vigorous, they're mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. So David has enemies that are coming after him. And we all know what that's like too. We all have enemies in our life, and sometimes, but maybe not frequently, but sometimes they're serious. Maybe there's somebody who would just take real deep pleasure in our pain. Maybe real deep pleasure in losing your job. Maybe there's somebody who's trying to break up your family. Usually, though, it's smaller scale stuff. Something that's maybe not that serious, but somebody who's against you. Maybe it's somebody in a study group at school who always disagrees with your opinion when it pops up, and you're starting to get the notion that maybe they're, they just don't like you. It's a little bit irritating. Maybe it's somebody who's in line for the same promotion that you are at work, and there's a little bit of competition, inevitable competition that's going on there. But we all know what that relational fracturing is like, where there's a barrier between us and other people, a barrier of dislike. But it's more than just your enemies here in Psalm 38. For David, it's also his friends. Check out verse 11 and tell me that this is not so apropos, considering the situation that we're in right now. David says this, My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague, and my nearest kin stands far off. Whatever it is that David's struggling with, a physical problem, spiritual problem, his friends and his companions are so scared of it that they don't want to come near him. And David's not here. He's not saying that they're wrong. He doesn't complain and say that this is wrong. But it still hurts. There's relational fracturing. You know, I mean, you know, thank goodness for the technology that we have to be able to do something like this. Uh, but it's definitely weird. If you were sitting in this room right now, like the three or four of us that are in here, you would feel how weird it is that there's an empty sanctuary and I'm talking to you via the internet. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And uh, if this thing goes on as long as some people are saying it is, a lot of us are going to struggle with this. We were designed to be with other people. For those of us who are Christians, we were created by God to be part of the body of Christ. We exist for community. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of how Jesus lives amongst us. And probably doing the right thing here by staying away from a large gathering like a church service. But it's still a part of the fall. It's still a part of the brokenness. And a lot of us are going to end up struggling over the next few months with despair, even depression, because of the social fracturing that's happening. And David's struggling with it here too. What's the solution to this? In the penitential Psalms, what's the solution to this cocktail of despair and depression? Well, the answer for David is twofold. One is repentance and confession. Look at verse 18. He says, I confess my iniquity. I'm sorry for my sin. For David, it's not just, 
I need to ask forgiveness for my sin. He's sorry for it. He's weighed down by his iniquity. Like I said before, he feels the weight of his grief. And he goes to God like he did in Psalm 32 and says, I'm wrong and you're right. And I want to change my ways. I want your help. I want you to forgive me and I want you to purify me. So the first thing is repentance. And of course, the flip side of repentance is faith and trust in God. And this is what he's talking about in verse 13. And just hold on for a second while I explain this because it doesn't look like it maybe at first. He says in verse 13, I'm like a deaf man. These enemies are against me and even my friends have abandoned me. People are accusing me of stuff. Those who seek my life lay their snares. But he says in verse 13, I'm like a deaf man. I do not hear. Like a mute man who does not open his mouth. What's he saying? He's saying this, I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not going to open my mouth and try and prove myself right. I'm not going to use my words to self-justify, to justify myself. He says in verse 14, I've become like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth are no rebukes. I'm not going to rebuke because of the injustices I'm experiencing. But, verse 15, for you, O Lord, do I wait. It's you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. David turns to God and says, God, it's a whole big mess here. There's moral brokenness. There's physical brokenness. There's relational brokenness. I can't do anything about it. I need you to fix this. I'm going to wait for you to save me, God. I'm going to wait for you to rescue me. How does he do it? He does it with the gospel. He does it with the blood of his son, Jesus. In the gospel reading, we read about a man who had every right, unlike myself, for whom my own sin is my own fault. My own physical problems are, at least in part, my own fault. They're a result of the sinfulness of all of us. My own relational problems certainly are, at least in part, my own fault. But in the Gospel readings, we read about a man who was without blame, who caused none of this problem, and yet he refused to open up his mouth. He waited on his father to do his father's will. Why did he do this? He did this so that you and I wouldn't have to justify ourselves. Jesus, without blame, carried my blame on him. Jesus, with no moral brokenness of his own, became morally broken on the cross for me. Jesus, with no relational brokenness, was alienated. His enemies tried to kill him. Even his best friends abandoned him. Jesus, with no physical brokenness, as the Creator God, took on a body so that he could experience physical brokenness, my physical brokenness, the disease, the despair. He took it all upon himself so that he could swallow it up and by rising from the dead, do away with the moral and the physical and relational brokenness that's caused our despair. So that when you and I pray, verses 21 and 22, do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation we know that He would do it because He is the God of our salvation. Let's pray. Father, we pray tonight that You would bless us. Even now, Lord, let us, with the eyes of our faith, see the glory of Your Son, Jesus, so that we can begin experiencing now the healing from our moral and physical and relational brokenness. All of the deep darkness that stands behind our despair, do away with it, God, by the blood of Your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the power of His resurrection. Wake us up to new life. A part of this, of course, is the forgiveness of our sins, the teaching we need from Your Holy Spirit, the instruction in righteousness we need from Your Word, the energy that we get from Him to obey Your law, 
We also need help from, help from physical brokenness as well. And tonight especially we pray uh, that whatever's going on in our community, in our state, in our country, in our world with the coronavirus, that you would step in and that you would stop it. For those who are weak and struggling with physical pain, with the potential of uh, radically serious disease, we pray that you would heal them, that you would make them safe. For those of us who, uh, I guess none of us really know if we're carrying this or not at this point, help us to not be transmitting it to other people. Help us also, Father, outside of the physical problems of the coronavirus problems, be with the spiritual problems that have sprung up from this, the greed, the selfishness, the desperation to protect us. Give us hearts that love each other. Give us hearts that want to serve our community. Give us hearts that see your will in this, Lord, that repent of our sins and that trust you and then love and serve our neighbors with the grace that you've given us. Lord, bring us back to church here together. You designed us to be a family, and I miss my brothers and sisters. And Bring us back safely so that we can gather together again and worship you. But meanwhile, thanks for the technology that we have to gather around your word in this weird but... Uh, um, at this point in time, a uh, wise and efficient way. We ask that you would do your will, and above all, we ask that you would glorify yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. And if you feel like it and you're up to it, pray out loud with me. And if not, you can pray this in your heart. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless you and keep you. Amen. Have a good night.